Hello, this is Bonnie with the Union Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. We're going to be diving into some big topics, things like the patriarchy and feminism and competition between male and female. So uh, stay with us. And uh, I'm going to be sharing some thoughts from scripture and things that I've learned over the years. I hope it's going to be helpful and encouraging to you in your everyday life as you relate with men and women around you. You're listening to the Union Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about some pretty um, big topics, things like, like I mentioned before, these terms like patriarchy and feminism. Uh, These are things that I've been seeing an increase. Maybe it's just, I don't know, showing up on my social media feed, but it feels like the the volume is getting raised on these topics again. And uh, I just think it's so crazy, you know, these places where we would hope to find an ally between male and female over the years and throughout history we actually see that male and women, male and female have been pitted against each other that they often um, they often battle they're drawn to one another but then they are also you know push and compete with each other and so i want to show from scripture today just how God's intention was always that male and female would work together to bring, um, to kind of like reflect the glory of God on earth. And so um, first let's talk a little bit about feminism. I think um, I'm not, I definitely don't have, you know, a PhD in the topic, but I have done some research over the years. And from what I understand, you know, if if you're new to the topic or you haven't done any research, let me give you just like a basic overview. So feminism, um, right now it's debated of whether we're in the th- in the third or the fourth wave of feminism. Uh, The first wave actually was back in the end of the 1800s. And the first wave really had to do with um, ending the oppression of women as objects. I feel like it's just so brutal that that was even a thing. And I know even in some parts of the world, that still is a reality. Uh, And it's just not the way God intended it. He made male and female to be equal and to um, have dominion and authority over the earth together uh, to create families and to to be prosperous together. But for so many years, women um, were not allowed to be educated. Uh, They could not own property, but rather they were treated as property and um, they were truly abused or treated as... Um, less than human are treated as, you know, one of the, like another animal, essentially. Um, and so the first wave of feminism came and really fought to give women the vote, a vote in politics to be able to, um, again, to be able to own property and to be able to um, be educated. So second wave of feminism came later on in um, the mid 1900s after the second world war, uh, and it's interesting, you know, during the during the Second World War, a lot of women were in the workforce, as most of you know. Uh, but then the men came home, and then the women were like, "Oh, I guess I guess we go back to the roles we used to have." And then technology, you know, increased, and things like washing machines and um, 
yeah, just electronics made made the work at home all the more all the easier for her. And I think it really started to stir up in women this desire for more. Um, it's interesting too is that I learned that in the 1920s, 1930s, there was actually a higher percentage of women attending university than there was or and college than there was in the 1950s and early 60s. So it was a strange like, um, I mean, if you think of Leave It to Beaver, the mom who just like wore heels and an apron and always had the roast coming out of the oven, that was kind of becoming this like societal pressure that that's what a woman needed to do. Um, And so the second wave of feminism really wanted to create this equality within the work, within the working world. And so, I mean, for some of that, I think, come on, that's so good. Equality as in um, if a woman wants to become a scientist, then she can, uh, that there should be equal pay for equal work. You know, all those types of things seem very reasonable in my mind. The second wave of feminism also brought about, um, brought about this push for sexual liberalization, which uh, read between the lines, <laughs> if we read that, it's basically the fight um, to have sex however often you want with whoever you wanted uh, without the comp- without the complications or the consequence of an unplanned or unwanted pregnancy. And so things like birth control made that possible. Things like legalized abortion um, made it simpler if a woman was to you know become pregnant. Now from, I believe from a biblical standpoint, and in my opinion, I think that, uh, was a great tragedy that was released into into North America at that time and in the world um, because I don't believe that the next generation should ever have to suffer for the sexual choices of their parents. Um, so that second wave of feminism. And then the third and fourth wave is kind of where it gets blurry and people have different opinions around it. Um, the third wave starts to lean more into recognizing where there's been oppression based on uh, maybe on race uh, or parts of the world, poverty, things like that. So kind of trying to elevate women um, who are pushed down because of those reasons. So that's like a, you know, a big quick overview of feminism. Now, depending on who's listening, you know, you might say, I agree with this wave, but not this wave. Um, I, I am definitely all for equality between men and women. I believe that we don't even, like it's just, a, it is a fact that in the eyes of God, men and women are equal. I wanna make sure it's clear that, that I don't believe that men and women are the same. That's where I think things started to get really confusing. Men and women aren't the same. I think scientists would agree with me that the presence and absence of testosterone in a human body really does make a difference. And I believe even from scripture, we see that though Though we are equal, and uh, the New Testament says that we are co-heirs with Christ, we are equal. We have equal rights um, to the kingdom of God, uh, but that doesn't mean that we operate the same or that we um, have to do everything the same. So, some of the feminism nowadays, though, it seems like there it has taken a turn, uh, and I would say I'm I'm a little bit concerned truthfully for the message that is coming um, either in my, you know, I'm seeing it in my social media. I'm sure you are too in a lot of literature. It's been going on for a long time, but it's definitely, uh, it's, I would even say that I'm seeing it creep into the church where there's this theology um, that 
is pushing men and women against each other. And I think that unity is the goal. And that even in Genesis, we see God, you know, he created all things. He created man. And up until this point, God had been saying, it's very good. It's very good. But then he sees that man is not, um, does not have a suitable helper, that man is alone. And God says, this is not good that man should be alone. I'm going to create someone. I'm going to um, introduce her to him and she is going to solve this first problem. And so, and so then men and women come to, man and women come together and they are unified. And because of that, then obviously then future generations can come and, and I believe, and it says God bless them and said, you know, multiply. This is a good thing. And this represents the image of God more fully on the earth by having male and female. Um, and I, w- I was reading actually some of Lisa Bevere's uh, recent book called Godmothers. And I love what she wrote. Um, she said, women should always be advocates for each other, but never at the expense of men, nor at our own expense. I just love that. And she said, and then she also went on to say, you know, can we believe that women are still an answer to the problem? And the, and the problem is still is, is that man is so often alone and that as a woman, we can come beside them and offer our strength to them. Are we willing to do that? And I'm concerned about this, um, this message of feminism that would, and I would say, beware of message of feminism that would either reduce you to a victim or, or exalt you as a goddess. We see in the New Testament that the early church was actually planted um, in these epicenters of pagan worship of these other gods. And some of these gods, um, the one in particular I'm thinking of in the city of Ephesus, name, its name was Artemis. And this, in this sense, she could be considered um, the feminist god or feminist goddess where she was the goddess of the hunt where she was always um, like male gods, you know, the legends, the mythology, male gods would always come to pursue her, but they would never catch her. And she was strong and she was a defender of other women, uh, but she was also had a hatred and um, actually like almost like a bitterness towards men because at one occasion, one of a man had, or a, a male god had um, had hurt her, and so she had something against him. And I think that we can see sometimes in our culture now there's this this almost this push or this draw towards us as women to go into that place of almost being like that feminist goddess that just says like the world has to bow to me. I have a chip on my shoulder. I was I was hurt, and I'm. And something was stolen from me. And so now um, I'm untouchable and I'm going to stand up for my rights. Uh, and let me be super clear is that I do believe that we need to, as women, be able to say no and to have strong boundaries. I would say probably that's, um, yeah, that's just a message that I would want all young women to hear is that you can say know that you need to say no, that you don't have to be afraid or intimidated to stand up for your rights or to, if something goes wrong, for you to raise your voice and, and ask for help. Absolutely. 
I just think that we need to be careful that we keep our hearts soft in the midst of it all and that we do not hate all. I just see such a hatred um, of men. And I, I mean, I am a mother of six sons and I just, I don't think that that's a great atmosphere for them to grow up in, for there to be this assumption that they are evil um, just because they are male. And so as women who, if we claim to be followers of Christ, I think we need to have, um, I mean, Philippians chapter two has, says it very clearly that we must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to, but rather he humbled himself and took that position of a servant. And I think that sometimes because the feminist message is yelling so loudly, we've forgotten what it is to be servants. And I don't believe, as women, I don't believe um, our goal is to elevate ourselves, but rather our goal, if we are followers of Christ, is to lift up, is to lift up Jesus, just as just as brothers in Christ, that the, that needs to be their goal as well, that it doesn't become a us versus them, uh, that we gain so, and that means they lose, but rather that we can have strong boundaries and a strong sense of self-respect, but also um, a heart of a servant that wants to support others, bring out the best in others, raise up um, you know, those who are weaker than us and even those in the younger generation um, to have soft hearts, to do what's right and to have a soft heart. I feel like that is such a um, essential goal for us as followers of Christ. So we want to end the competition between men and women and learn to work together. I think, uh, you know, to be free from hatred, which I think it means that we're going to have to take a journey into forgiveness and into blessing, you know, women, if you're listening to this, that we would bless our brothers. First Timothy um, chapter five, verse two, Paul gives this instruction to Timothy, who's like a young leader in the church of Ephesus at Ephesus. And he just says, I want you to treat, basically like treat the members of your, your church and the people around you like family members. So he says, you know, treat, older men like fathers and younger men like brothers, treat older women like mothers and treat younger women like sisters. And as he says specifically in all purity, which I love kind of saying like, Timothy, you're not allowed to, you like, let there be no suspicion about the way that you treat the women around you. Um, And I would say how freeing it is when a man will treat a woman like, if he's not married to her, that he would treat her as a sister or as a mother, that that frees that woman up to be a sister or a mother. And that we would think relationally rather than transactionally, uh, that we would not, it wouldn't be a power struggle, but rather we'd realize we belong to one another and we are a family and we can, you know, when we elevate one other, one another, it actually strengthens us as well. Our destinies as men and women are so um, intrinsically connected that when we um, abuse or oppress one another, it ends up damaging us. So we, as women, we need to make sure that we are we find a way to be free from the hatred of men who may have oppressed us in the past. We need to be free from the fear of men. I think that's actually become quite a um, a rampant problem inside and outside the church. 
is you talk to any woman and I almost guarantee that they have a story of a man who has unfortunately hurt them either verbally or physically or sexually. And the natural byproduct is for us to want to put our guards up and maybe even to, um, to just become callous and, and to fight back even before we get hurt, you know, to, to push against what men could do to us. Now, I know that I can't even say all of this. Um, it's not, we can't just say a message to the women without bringing a message to the men because we don't live in a vacuum, right? And I think of even in the book of Ephesians where Paul had these instructions for the church, for the people within the church. And the instruction to women was to, to act in a way honoring towards their husbands. But then, you know, before the ink had even dried, then the very next phrase, the next thought is like, and men, you really need to lay down your lives um, for your wife the way Christ laid down his life for the church. He gave himself up for her. That is the atmosphere where a woman can keep her heart soft, where she's not afraid. Um, when she sees that the men around her are, are acting like servants and not acting selfishly, then she is safe to not, to not um, kind of protect herself with hatred or with fear, conscious, constantly feeling on edge. She can, she can relax a little and actually be herself and release the blessing of who she is to the world. And there's a partnership there. There's a unity there that brings a blessing. I just dream, I dream of a time when, when men and women, young and old, could not, not live in impurity in their behaviors towards one another, where you know it's all flirtatious. Maybe it never leads to anything, but there's this always a constant awareness of sexuality, this constant game playing. Or on the other hand, there's this constant pushing down of one another. But rather, I dream of a time when we could just interact as brothers and sisters, knowing we are safe in each other's presence, endorsing one another, empowering one another. Another quote here from, from Lisa Bevere in her, boat, in her book, she says, hate will not heal women any more than it has healed men. When people are empowered but not purpose, there is a risk that that power will be misused. The daughters of Eve have found their voices. Let's use them to denounce what's wrong and then raise our voices, male and female, to work together to make things right. It's a really wonderful atmosphere when brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers can work together to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. So men, if you are listening to this, I would implore you the same words that Paul said to Timothy, treat older women as mothers and younger women as sisters in all purity. By you, when you do that, it, it proves that aggressive, um, extreme feminist spirit <laughs> attitude. It proves them wrong. Now, in doing some, a little bit of research around the concept, the term, the patriarchy, I don't know if you've heard that or the you know, the coin, the phrase that's been coined, the, you know, smash the patriarchy. And 
the actual definition of the word patriarchy just has to do with male leadership. I am not against male leadership. I think, like I've been saying, I think male and female, we can we can lead together. And I believe in scripture, we see that God has ordained men to, to stand almost as chief protector over, over family, to have the authority to protect to protect and to empower those who are under his care. Uh, and I don't, I don't think that, uh, I think that if you experience, if you're a woman and you experience that kind of care where you have a, a husband or a father who is attentive, who is encouraging, who has got your back, I don't think you would actually mind that kind of biblical leadership. The problem is when leadership gets distorted and becomes oppression or dominant. And so it be, if it becomes a sense of you do what I tell you and you're not allowed, these are all the things you're not allowed to do. And I don't care about your soul or your heart. That is the type of atmosphere that will, I mean, just suck the life out of a woman so fast. And I think, so the, so the term patriarchy the actual word itself is not doesn't have a negative definition, but the interpretation according to you know culture has to do with that dominance, that oppression, and it's so real, and it happens even though you know we've come so far and there's so much gender equality. Talk about that; it still exists in little ways, and I think that Jesus Christ gave this beautiful example to men. And he says, you be a servant, be a servant of the ones you lead, be a servant of the ones in your household. And so young men right now, even if you know, you're listening to this and you're not married, you have people around you that you can sure be practicing this mindset, this attitude. Don't think you know, that you'll be, you could be a selfish son or a selfish brother or, or um, you know, a sulky, lazy uh, roommate and that one day when you get married, suddenly you'll have the character of Christ to be able to serve, to be able to serve your wife and children. It just doesn't work like that. Character is a muscle that we have to work and make conscious decisions and choices to get better at. So you right now, um, if you maybe one day you dream that one day you could get married, then I would say get started now practicing treating, like again, like Paul said to Timothy, the older women like mothers, the younger women like sisters, serving them, treating them the right way. And in that way, it doesn't eliminate leadership from the men, but it redefines it. And I do believe that this world needs a redefining of biblical manhood within the home and within society. So those are just some of my thoughts. I'm so, I would love to hear back from you and, you know, any feedback that you might have or any experiences that you might have. I think there's a lot of, a lot of healing and a lot of, um, you know, inviting of the Holy Spirit into those places of your heart and in your past to start processing through these topics, to make sure that we're not just swallowing the messages from the culture just because it's, you know, it sounds powerful, but rather that we pass it all through the filter of scripture, not, not just through our experiences, but through scripture and to be able to talk with others about it. And I, I really want these conversations to be happening within the church with men and women who have a gentle spirit, willing to serve and to listen to Jesus' words where he said, if you want to have life, you need to give it up. 
anyone who tries to hold on to their life, they're going to end up losing it. But if you will kind of lay down your life, not as someone without boundaries, not as a doormat, but in obedience to the Father, this kind, heavenly Father who knows what's best for us, He will lead us. And as we follow, then we're going to end up having more life than we could ever imagine. And I think as we listen to Jesus' words, as we approach, you know, the men and women around us, we're not always trying to prove ourselves, not always trying to contend for something. We're saying, God, you are my shield and you, you have put great value on me. I don't have to prove anything and I don't need to rob, I don't need to take anything from anyone in order to be valuable. Um, I just think it's such, uh, it's so worth it to go on that journey. That being said, you know, Brian and I in these um, coming weeks, we're going to be releasing uh, our e-course, The Journey Home. And we talk about issues like this and we, you know, we put together a study guide in order to um, encourage people to reflect and to recognize what has maybe happened in their past that has caused them to think a certain way about the men or women around them, about their own gender or about the other gender. Uh, we really, we just really believe that the church uh, needs to be thinking and talking and healing in these areas. So that's all for today. I know that's a lot of, a lot of thoughts to chew on. Get back to us or, you know, put something in the comments or, or send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. And I do pray that there would be a healing released in your marriage, in your friendships, in your family where the, as men and women, we can work together, where we can uh, have soft hearts and do what's right. God bless you. We love you. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope your life was impacted greatly. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Please email us at podcast at theunionmovement.com. For more information, visit our website, theunionmovement.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram with the handle at the Union Movement.